I invite everyone to open their Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Today brings us to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. So I'm not, I'm not the only one, right? Growing up, we all have phases, right? We all go through phases trying to figure out who we are. It took me a while to figure out who I am and several phases to get there. So at first, I wanted to be a surfer. Because, you know, South Mississippi is known for its rad beaches and, like, top-of-the-line surfing. Oh, man, I, I bought surfer brand clothing. You guys ever heard of the store PacSun? Man, I, I, was, I was in PacSun all the time. So surfer brand clothing, tiki decorations, right? Like, I think a sign on my door said, like, tiki party or something like that. Never had any tiki parties in there, but still, just so you know, it's fun in here, kind of stuff. Uh, so even I went to California one, one year, this is really embarrassing. A lot of this is embarrassing, but I went to California one year and I convinced my mom to get me a nine foot surfboard, like not nine foot on seriously. And so we rented a convertible that day. You can't fit a nine foot surfboard really in anything, much less a convertible. So we're driving down Rodeo Drive with this nine foot stinking surfboard sticking straight up in the air. Looking insane, uh, and I still haven't ridden that thing to this day. And it's still at my, at my mom's house, too. My bucket list is to ride my surfboard. Uh, after my surfer phase, I got into a grunge and punk phase, right? So this is when my hair got really long, started to wear skinny jeans, right? Wearing band t-shirts, that kind of stuff. Uh, and when I turned 18... Me and uh, a bunch of my friends went to a tattoo parlor, and I got my lip pierced. And uh, it, I didn't, it didn't hurt or anything, right? Five seconds, it was over. I'm like, man, this is awesome. So I get up, my new lip ring, I'm walking down the hallway. Next thing I know, I wake up on the floor because I had passed out. Still don't know what happened. And the lip ring lasted about three days. My dad wasn't happy about it. Uh, after my punk phase, I, it's kind of crazy. I went to like totally opposite direction. I got into like a, this is going to sound weird and embarrassing again, a country club phase, right? So like preppy, polo shirts, and even like short khaki shorts. And it's because I went to Ole Miss, right? That's what everybody wore at Ole Miss, right? You're just preppy country club clothes. And honestly, not the lip ring, not the surfboard. It's probably the most depressing time of my life. Because country clubs are just kind of depressing to me. I, if you go to a country club, I'm just kidding around. You get, I'm just kidding around. So yeah, I went through all these phases, and I finally have found my stride. I finally figured out who I am. I am a curmudgeonly old man in a 30-year-old's body. In my phases, I dressed and I acted like someone depending on who I was with. Right, depending on who my friends were at the time. And it really is amazing how much your friends and the people you hang out with can influence you like in so many ways. The more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. And let me just have a caveat here. It's not because of Mallory that I'm a commercially old man. That's just who I am. So he makes me better. Okay, But the more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. So we've been going through the book of Proverbs, and the first nine chapters are kind of like a prologue, 
right? They set the stage for all these like hundreds of short, pithy sayings that we're going to get to in a couple of weeks. We're going we're gonna to get to those. And they, they lay the groundwork for all of them. And here in chapter 8, we're nearing the end of this prologue. And, and I call this kind of like Solomon's last-ditch effort to attract his son and us to wisdom. He, he's trying to attract his son to wisdom. And like friends that change us, the more time we spend with them, Solomon wants wisdom to take that place. The goal is that by knowing wisdom and, and by knowing wisdom uh, in practice as like a person, we would be changed by wisdom. And Solomon wants to attract his son to wisdom here by portraying wisdom as a beautiful woman. He personifies wisdom as a beautiful, beautiful woman. In fact, I think chapter 8 and chapter 7 belong together because it's a contrast between two different types of women. Chapter 7 is the adulteress or the woman folly, and chapter 8 is the woman wisdom. He's contrasting two different kinds of women and what they offer. And he does all of this so that his son might be attracted to wisdom and changed by wisdom. So today I'm going to structure this sermon in terms of that contrast. And my goal is threefold. One, that we might be attracted to wisdom. Two, that we might be changed by wisdom. And three, that others might be attracted to wisdom. So turn with me to chapter 8 and let's begin reading. You can follow in your Bibles on your phones or on the screen. We'll read all of chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles and all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old, Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. 
When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped. Before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the foundations of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit. So that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him. Like a master workman. And I was daily filled with delight. Rejoicing before him always. Rejoicing in his inhabited world. And delighting in the children of man. And now O sons listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Forever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me, injures himself. All who hate me, love death. So, reading this chapter, it shouldn't surprise us at this point that the first aspect that we see of wisdom is concerns her speech speech is so so important and so first wisdom offers speech that is gracious not greedy wisdom offers speech that is gracious not greedy so the the woman wisdom is contrasted with the woman folly in chapter 7 Uh, In verse 10, the woman folly, behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. In contrast, the, the woman wisdom, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? They're both loud, right? Both lifting their voices. On the heights beside the way, At the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. And the difference is that the speech of folly is greedy, whereas the speech of wisdom is gracious. And I say greedy because the speech of folly is always self-serving. We use our speech to serve ourselves in a myriad of ways. Right? Gossiping. When we gossip about someone, we say something about someone that we would never say to their their face, we use it for our own pride at their expense. Or words we use out of anger, right, are used to put others down. Or maybe we maybe we carefully like manipulate our words to make ourselves sound better or come out looking better, or maybe we manipulate others' words to make them sound worse. Right? Maybe we use our words to guilt trip. Right? The speech of folly is greedy. It is self-serving. In contrast, the speech of wisdom is gracious. It's gracious in that it is merciful. Look at verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Oh, fools, learn sense. It's for those who don't have it all together and whose lives are in pieces. Her call is for the simple. 
for those who realize they don't have it. That's her call. It's merciful. The, the speech of wisdom, it's truthful. Right? Uh, look, at, look at verse uh, 6. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Right? The speech of wisdom is truthful, even when it knows the truth might sting either the other person or it might sting yourself. It's truthful. But on the flip side of that, the, the speech of wisdom is winsome. Verse 8, All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I think we all have truth tellers that live inside of us, right? And I think we all underestimate the power of a keyboard, right? We are all completely different people behind the keyboard uh, than we are in person, right? We're all so much bolder and confrontational. I've actually, I've actually had to apologize to people on social media because I've been so rude to them. I'm like, I, I would never have spoken to you this way in person. Maybe the internet wasn't such a good idea. But speaking the truth in a winsome way where we desire to win the person and not just the argument is a speech of wisdom. It's winsome. Speech that is gracious. Secondly, wisdom offers choices that are prudent, not presumptuous. Choices that are prudent, not presumptuous. Right now, we have a two-year-old. And I mean, she is and acts like a two-year-old. When someone asks me how Will is, I say she's two. So we're trying to discipline her, right, to teach her what she can or can't do. So one thing that we do, if she's about to touch something or grab something or do something that she shouldn't, we tell her, Willa, make a good decision. Make a good choice. Now, obviously, I don't think she's old enough to understand what a decision is. But what we want to help her do is develop this idea of pausing before acting. What we've seen in Proverbs up to this point is that the choices of folly are presumptuous, right? They're based on impulse. And, and when we make choices on impulse, behind that is an attitude of self-righteousness. Because we assume that we're right or righteous, therefore we don't have to think about what we're doing, we just do it. Proverbs 16 uh, says, all a man's ways seem right to him. Right? All, of, all the choices that we make, we make those choices because they seem right to us. So maybe, maybe these choices are made out of the impulse for pleasure. Maybe it's an impulse of anger or even an impulse of hurt. But J.C. Ryle once wrote that want of thought is one simple reason why thousands of souls are cast away forever. Men will not consider, will not look forward, 
will not look around them, will not reflect on the end for their present course and the sure consequences of their present ways and awake at last to find they are damned for want of thinking. So the, the ways of folly are, are based on impulse, presumption. We just assume what I'm doing is right. But in contrast, the choices of wisdom are prudent. And they're prudent in governance. Look at verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign. And rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles. All who govern justly. And there's two realities that that are happening here. The first is that. Right When Scripture commands us to pray for the governing authorities, whether they display any ounce of wisdom or not, every prudent act of governance comes from God. So what we pray, when we pray for authorities or presidents or whatever, is we pray that, they, that God would give them His wisdom. But it also it comes back to this understanding of wisdom as being able to master life right so so adam i've I've explained this before in genesis 1 adam or genesis 2 adam masters creation by naming the animals he 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 displays wisdom by mastering creation these animals are my domain and these are mine to name and it's the same here wisdom is the ability to govern your life a governance of your lives and your domains and your affairs. A mastery. So they're prudent in governance, but they're also prudent in measuring success. Look at verse 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. And my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So all of us measure a successful life differently. So maybe it's, right, one of the most common ones is money. Right? If only we could just get this amount of money. We're determining the flourishing and success of our life based on how much money we have. Or maybe it's, it's fame or, or having influence. Having to be in the spotlight or, or have control over people. Maybe it's in being liked. Right? The success of, of my life is being liked by a bunch of people or getting a bunch of likes on social media. It's measuring our life by success, is the thing that we feel we need in order to have a successful life. I must have this if my life is to have meaning. But it's ironic that wisdom says here, riches and honor are with me, right? Enduring wealth and righteousness. But what does she say? My fruit is better than gold. Even fine gold. So, so she says, riches are with me and my fruit is better than being rich. That kind of language should kind of make us pause 
consider and think, what does it mean to be successful and what am I using as a measure for success? And, and the wisdom is just in pausing and asking that question. Prudence, not presumption. Thirdly, wisdom offers pleasure that is lasting, not lessened. Now here we come to one of the most interesting portions of Proverbs. Wisdom here is explicitly identified as a person who dwelt together with God during creation. So let's, let's look at it briefly. The Lord possessed me, verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. Now if you skip down to verse 30. Then I was beside him like a master workman and I was daily filled with delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Many people throughout history have identified this, this personification of wisdom as, as foreshadowing the person of Christ. Right? So Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote about Person, wisdom as a person that ultimately points to Christ. And, right, there's people who say, yes, that's true, maybe not. Regardless of whether this is about Christ or not, before we ever even get there, we have to consider, what is Solomon doing? Right, what is Solomon doing here? And so we don't want to just ignore his original intent. Solomon is trying to portray wisdom as a beautiful woman to attract his son to her. And the wisdom that Solomon is portraying is the same kind of wisdom that God used in creating the universe. When you think about God's wisdom in creating the universe, you not only think of what he did create, but why he didn't do other things as well. It was by God's wisdom that he decides where the beaches are. Right? One of my favorite verses is in Job. I think it's Job chapter 38. And he's like, I created the ostrich and I made her stupid. Do you know why? Because I wanted to. She's fast. I made her fast. Why? Because I wanted her to be fast. But she lacks sense. In other words, she's dumb. Why? Because by my wisdom... That's what I wanted. And Solomon is saying the same kind of wisdom that is offered to us is the wisdom that God used in creating the universe. It's, it's kind of like going to a museum and seeing a gun in a case and there's a sign that reads, this is the flintlock that George Washington used to destroy the British. Right? You're like, whoa, that's awesome. Man, what a special gun. In a similar way, this is meant to make us back up and say, this wisdom is the same wisdom that God used to design creation? That's awesome. It's astounding. And part of that is just the sheer joy of that kind of wisdom. I was filled with delight daily, rejoicing, before him always. 
If the wisdom that it's offered is ancient, so is its joy. That means that wisdom's joy, its pleasure is lasting. It's an ancient joy that doesn't fade with time. The pleasure of folly is fleeting. I've heard someone describe addiction before as doing the same thing over and over again, but liking it less each time. Right? The first time the thrill is immense, but to get the same kind of thrill, you have to do it more and more and dive deeper and deeper. You 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 enjoy it less. There's a reason porn addicts don't have one image on their computer. They have dozens. The pleasure is is cheapened, it's it's lessened. And so the pleasure of folly is simply in the moment and and it fades time and time again. But the pleasure of wisdom is enduring. You can tell the value of something by its timelessness, right? It, its value and its age, its value and its worth don't age with time. Which is why in a hundred years, the Grand Canyon is going to be giving the people, people the same kind of joy as it always has, while someone like Justin Bieber will be largely forgotten. Wisdom is not ashamed to offer the answer to life's deepest questions, the solution to life's deepest meanings, and the place to find life's deepest joys. Wisdom does not overpromise. Finally, wisdom offers life that is selfless not stingy. Just the other day, I, I saw a commercial on TV uh, for a new piece of exercise equipment, right? And it's supposed to be this new innovative thing that you can pack up and put in a backpack, and just with a few movements, you can look completely shredded. And, like, it made me think of all these other, like, crazy innovative uh, workout machines or whatever, you know, we've just seen over the past few years. So, like, the shake weight, you know, like just getting jacked, you know, just sitting here with my weight, just shaking away. Or like Bowflex, like who, we, we don't see commercials for Bowflex anymore. And so I'm really, I'm not convinced that any of these that we see are innovative at all, right? They're simply doing the same thing as a machine we already have. We've got that figured out for the most part, I'd say. The purpose of these companies, right, at this point, isn't innovation, it's profit, right? They're trying to sell the same thing that we've always had as this new thing for profit's sake. And so all of us have this same bent that by nature we we run on this self-preservation, right? So what can I do to preserve my life, myself, my rights, my privileges, my comforts, my ease, my wants, my desires. Even the good things we do are tinged with this want to get what we can out of it. Right? This self-preservation. But wisdom is the opposite. Wisdom isn't self-preserving. Wisdom is self-giving. Now, O sons, listen to me. Verse 32. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. 
Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. In other words, wisdom is generous with life. The life that it enjoys, it wants to share with others. It wants to share it, not because it can get some profit out of it, not because it can get something else out of it. It wants to share it because it's good. Right? This is what happens when we find a good restaurant. Right, This restaurant is so good that I want to bring you to it so that you can enjoy it for how good it is. Lately, I've been hearing a lot about how good Neighborhood Pizza Cafe is. And Craig and I went there, and all he wanted to do out of the goodness of his heart was to show me how good it was. In fact, he was so selfless that he even made me pay for it, so he didn't get the pleasure of... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But that's what we do with food and restaurants. It's like, it's so good, I just want you to taste it. And if you don't like it, we're not friends anymore. We like to think that freedom is in attaining more, right? If we could have more materials or or more goods, we can enjoy them more. But true freedom isn't about the ability to acquire more things. It's about the ability to give them up. That's true freedom. Proverbs 11, one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Chapter 22, a generous man will himself be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. Chapter 28, he he who gives to the poor will lack nothing. But he who closes his eyes to them receives many curses. Wisdom is about self-giving not self-preservation. It it offers life that is selfless and not stingy. Chapter 8. The personification of wisdom as a beautiful woman. My goal was threefold. Be attracted to wisdom. Be attracted to wisdom that you might become like wisdom. And in becoming like wisdom, attract others to it. Now one of the beautiful things about this passage is obviously, like I've said over and over again, Solomon portraying wisdom as a person. And that's not only to contrast with this competing foolish woman for his son, but I think it says something about wisdom. Because wisdom is not about knowing all the right stuff. It's not about knowing a lot of facts about the Bible. It's not knowing all the right stuff about God. It's fundamentally about knowing a person. Knowing wisdom is about knowing a person. May we as a church not miss the point of all of this. The point isn't to feel encouraged point isn't to know a lot of information. The point isn't to do all the right things. But may we be a people who in our church gatherings, in our prayers, in our Bible reading, may we be a people who are first and foremost seeking 
to know someone who wants to be known. Someone who has revealed Himself to us in His Word. Someone who wants us to know Him deeply and intimately. And by knowing Him, just become more like Him. Wisdom is the fruit of a right relationship with God. That's what I said on the very first week. I've said it a couple of times throughout. Wisdom is the fruit of a right relationship with God. Fruit happens as we dwell in and abide in knowing God. And being in a right relationship with God is always about being attracted to the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's about heeding the call, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. What does wisdom say? Come to me, oh foolish ones. Oh, those who lack sense. Come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus doesn't overpromise and underdeliver. He promises, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is the place, Jesus is the person where all of this is found. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs is in chapter 8, in verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently, find me. So we base our search for wisdom, we base our longing for wisdom, we base our knowing this person, Jesus, on this promise. Those who seek me, find me. Don't just know a lot about Christ. Come to Him and know Him. And thus be changed by Him. Let's pray. Father, You are so gracious to us. Because in our sin, Lord, we would chase the woman folly. We would always use our, our speech and our choices and our impulses and our lives for selfish gain. And you not only put up the warning signs that say this road leads to death, but you put up the signs that say go this way for here is life. Lord, and even when we have that choice and even when we still choose sin, you are the God who still comes after us. You are the God who still pursues us and you Reveal Yourself to us in all of Your gracious beauty and glory. Father, most fundamentally, give us hearts that long for this kind of wisdom. Give us hearts that are attracted to this wisdom by giving us an attraction to Christ. May we be drawn to Him. May we love Him. May we know Your Son, Jesus with the help that you give by your Holy Spirit. And it's in his name that we pray, and it's in his name that we respond today. Amen.